Hello everybody, this is Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen and then we meet to discuss it. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio, I am Ricardo Deacon. I am Orla McNeilis. And this week's film is The Arbor. With very sparse credits. <laughs> uh, chosen by Orla. Um, before the episode starts, I want to make a correction from the last episode that aired, that it was uh, <laughs> Ricardo, Ricardo got a bit of a bollocking from Fend of the Prod, uh, and very soon to be a special guest, spoiler, uh, <laughs> Kira, um, by pointing out a number, a number of, uh, of issues. And uh, what were they, Ricardo? Well, the two major ones were... Uh, that there's a single kiss in the movie, which mm-hmm. I missed mm-hmm. when scrolling through it, looking for it, uh, which was like in the beginning of the movie. It uh, <laughs> doesn't count, it doesn't count. They're about, to, well, like, uh, it doesn't change my opinion on the Also, this is not last episode, this is yeah, yeah, uh, this, for, this where is for where we go. Where we go, he's talking about now. And also that the, um, the straw that broke the camel's back for... <laughs> the what's the name of the actor fucking john kravinsky's character yeah. was when maggie giganlal says her people Gigan have Hall. a pride tradition yeah that was that was the point and, not the yeah yeah which in a way like i said to kira i still doesn't change my mind how i feel how badly i don't think she thought she was going to change your mind i think she just but, wanted to point out but, your mistakes yes and it's a fair like uh, i i I don't want to be somebody that spills fake news. So at least we know who's the Republican in in this podcast. Not in my house. So like, uh, because we want the criticism to be valid rather than... Yeah. So it is more now that is the feeling rather than actions to (laughs) my issues were with the movie. But again, I even said to Kira, it's... uh, I'm thinking like I'll rewatch it or something at some really? point in the future. Okay. Yeah, just to see if uh, if yeah. it was that caught me in a bad time. But I didn't like mm. it, it has I been. I don't know. It was so extreme that I don't know if that's true. But yeah, but there's I, been I episodes before. Your, mm. There's been episodes before that I've admitted that it caught me in a bad moment. And I didn't know if it was the moment or the film itself that I had issues with. Yeah. Uh, with this one, I didn't feel it at the moment. It wasn't like something... The, either because of world politics or whatever that I was associating with that had like that created the issue that I had with the film but enough of that he, uh, he's holding up to... his hands and I respect him for oh, it yeah like I don't want to be the dragging the podcast down <laughs> uh, so <laughs> the arbor is from 2010 it is also a first in the film that we do that doesn't have a wikipedia page what yes at all? At all. Were you, you click, spelling Arbor wrong? No. If you click uh, in the credits wow. of Cleo Bernard, it goes into Andrea Arnold's... Uh, Andrea... Uh, what's uh, Andrea Arnold. Andrea, Andrea Dunbar's, Dunbar, yeah. Uh, I Wikipedia also page. made that mistake. It's because I confuse uh-huh. Cleo Bernard and Andrea Arnold all the time because very, very similar names and like not completely dis- like dissimilar styles. So... You know, I'm not going to judge you for that because I literally wrote down the wrong name at several points in my notes. So, so okay. So the credits are director Cleo Bernard, producer Tracy O'Riordan. Jesus, Irish much? Do you reckon? Uh, <laughs> cast uh, Mayinder Verk, Christine Bottomley and Natalie Gavin. Music by Harry Escott and Molly Nyman. Cinematography by Old Brat Birkeland. What a name. Yeah. Film editing by Nick Fenton and Daniel Goddard. 
The synopsis is a mix of documentary and fiction. The elements tell the story of Doom playwright Andrea Dunbar, who wrote about the difficult life she endured growing up in England's Bradford housing projects. Archival footage featuring Dunbar is presented along with interviews with family members, including her daughter Lorraine, who led a similarly troubled life. Excerpts from Dunbar's most famous play, The Arbor, are performed on the streets of her hometown and at Buttershot States, where she lived. But they don't mention that the interviews are lip synced uh, yeah, or whatever by actors. Yeah, it's not completely clear synopsis at all, really, yeah. but, you know, it's a Considering higher, that it doesn't have a fucking Wikipedia page, yeah, I'm I mean, surprised that there's anything. Uh, well, it's obviously it had an IMDb, because, like, films we've made have IMDb, yeah. so... <laughs> Hey, don't put down the fucking road home. <laughs> Anyways. So why did you pick this movie? Um, I was kind of stuck between two choices for Cleo Bernard. Um, this and The Selfish Giant, which you haven't seen, have you? No. Okay. Um, so very selfish of me. Uh, but yes. I am no giant. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to be mean. Uh, yeah, in the end, though... Um, I think The Selfish Giant is is a more successful film. I think it's more together. It's a much more like straightforward narrative. It's, you know, it, it's ambitious, but it's not ambitious in the way that this film is. Um, so I feel like this is an experience that people who appreciate film and particularly people who appreciate documentary and the kind of the scope that you can have within documentary um, should watch. And I know that you are a person who is like that because you'd recommended Tower, uh, which obviously has a lot of crossover here. But um, Bernard is like, she's just... I find her fascinating and I recommend anyone even if you haven't seen this if you've any interest in her whatsoever to listen to the uh, soundtracking episode with her because she has a new movie yeah. out now and um, she's just she's lovely and it's a really nice interview and they talk about the music because she's used the same um, the same guy I think for, for all her films Edith, Edith Bowman's yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah 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 sorry Edith Bowman's um, uh, show um, which I keep telling people is BBC, but it's not actually, is it? An independent kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but she does stuff with the BFI, I think. But um, uh, yeah, like she's... Very beefy. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> beefy. <laughs> she's a, she's just a... Fa- I find her a fascinating filmmaker. Like she's... It's such a strong British sensibility. Like there's loach and, you know... I saw a lot about Terence Davies as well. I think because we were talking about um, uh, the Grey Blue Sea... Um, Fuck. Deep blue sea. In the deep blue sea, yeah. Recently. Just deep blue sea. Is it? Yeah. I'm not actually. No, sure. it's the deep blue sea, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, deep blue thinking. sea is yeah, uh, <laughs> the film with the sharks and <laughs> just slightly different with from the, the soundtrack Rachel by, voice in uh, our in our in an apartment with, with the um, soundtrack by uh, Lady Love Cool James. Uh what? LL Cool J it stands for Ladies Love Cool James, which supposedly was his nickname in high school, which is I would sounds like an absolute piece of shit. Lies. That is fake yeah. news. And we don't we don't spread that shit on here, I Ricardo. Know. Uh yeah, well, memory uh is a topic we've obviously covered a lot, um, particularly in documentary in relation to like, you know, perception and unreliability of memory and um but other like when the other than Tower, I can't think of a of an example that's handled it in this manner. Um, it's such a sort of like interesting abstract way. Uh, I thought a lot about uh, Wormwood. Have you seen the the series, the Errol Morris series? No. Nope. Oh, 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 it's so good. But um, he, that's where the, this is like modern Errol Morris now, where he has like the full scope of digital filmmaking. Um, and it's, is it's there a turtleneck? Yes, Sarsgaard turtlenecks period piece lots of reconstructions but handled like obviously he's not using lip syncing but he's using 
like this the, the Errol Morris but like cr- cranked up to 11 like it's beautifully made it's all there everything's very fractured and constantly re-showing memories because there's so much false information being given so not unlike a lot of his other documentaries but it's it's just it made me think of this a lot because this switches so constantly between its different um it's different elements um, and sometimes in daring ways, sometimes in very smooth ways. And it made me think of um, of Wormwood, which I would very highly recommend you watch because um, that's what we do here. But um, yeah, like the, the reconstructions and the lip syncing and, you know, the, the monologues in particular, like they're they're always going to be jarring and, and slightly, I suppose, like controversial or whatever. Um, and I do think like I am definitely going to say that they work better in, at some points than others. There's some of the actors that aren't quite as good. I think the woman who plays the mother even though her face is very good, her her sinking isn't quite there, yeah. and it's a little distracting sometimes. But other than that, um, and we can talk about performance and everything later because that that is a separate thing. But um, well, I um, thought that the mother were was only shown when they're doing the the fake plays because they both of them were dead. Like the dad and the mother were dead. Oh no, not the mother. The who's, who's it? I'm thinking of. Like the auntie, the or sorry, the sister, the yeah. sister. Sorry, um, yeah, no, not mother. Ooh. But uh, um, yeah, like uh, she's not, she's not perfect, but she's not in it that much. So even though she's a little distracting, like that woman's face is just incredible. So I think she gets the emotion across, even if it's not perfect. But um, yeah, I thought a lot. I was thinking so much about like interview method and um, especially just because we've been talking a lot in work about interview and everything and like how to. To, to get information from people and like even just thinking about things like um a lot of the podcasts i'm listening to and i was watching or thinking with uh, michael barbaro from the new york times and um do you listen to the daily actually it's really yeah, no. oh god he's don't so, have enough time i know i know it's only 20 minutes a day and if you could shove it in there do because i he's picked up a so new one good. called the age of napoleon the, okay I'll you can fill me in on that on. later <laughs> um but it, it did this time it kind of made me think of amy um, and like the lack of on-camera interviews yeah. and his incredible reliance on um, archive um, and like the sheer power and I think sometimes when people who don't make films or work on interviews a lot with people they don't realize exactly like how different an audio interview to an on-camera interview is whenever you're dealing with a normal person it's a completely yeah. different ball it's a lot easier for yeah. to make uh, people yeah. relax when there's yeah. no camera pointing you, at them you especially because a lot of these are done clearly in people's homes and stuff yeah and like you're getting it's all it, like so it it end you end up with this inc- like and both films have this an incredible level of candidness like that is disarming like it's almost it's almost incredible the information that she's able to to these people to talk about in such like me, like just not not calm calm's not the word but like every day as if they almost know her way like it's incredible i don't know what her interview technique is but um like these are like their lives tell me everything yeah i don't know i honestly don't know she is a she's a really lovely and she's a really nice voice i can imagine why people would relax with her but uh like i don't know if she has like a producer with her or what how it works i have no idea but like these are lives just completely laid bare like and in this 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 like this incredibly like fascinating but what ends up being an incredibly engaging way like it's it's abstract but it's not cold at no point that i find myself disconnected from the person's voices coming from another person's face and i think part of that is um uh like the 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 women who play um the two main daughters like the 
I find both of them really fascinating but uh, I think like Bernard is the opposite of like um, the the BBC documentaries which are also insane like the the, the documentaries the archive that they're showing are it, they're so weird they yeah. are weird it's the weirdest archive I've ever seen but like she's she's the opposite like not just because you don't see her and you don't hear her voice but you know she's the opposite of those documentaries particularly the later one because she's absent of judgment she is letting these people tell their stories while also not shying away from the fact that this is a whole thing is incredibly constructed because you know it's like pointing out the construction of it but like god that archive is so so weird and i've forgotten how weird that archive is and how strangely invasive it is it like feels so much more invasive than what she's doing is yeah. because she's so young and and she's so lost like and i don't think she overuses it as well which i think is is good because ultimately this is not it's more about legacy and like the place which is why it's called the arbor and why it's talking about her original play because it's more about that than it is about andrea arnold or (laughs) andrea dunbar which i think is um for this method is a strength because the way she chooses to make this film it lends itself more to what she's trying, the story she's telling. Whereas I don't think this would have worked if this whole thing had been yeah. like, you know, and I think people will go into this being like this, what? Cause it takes a turn and you know, like 40 minutes into it, you know, like Dunbar is dead. And then all of a sudden you're moving into talking about like what happened afterwards. And um, yeah, like the, the centerpiece of like of Lorraine's interview, like the, I find like her, her, the strange tone of her voice. Like it's, it's it's she's she's like it's so fascinating because like she talks with a certain level of eloquence as well and like recounting these like incredibly difficult times like sometimes open sometimes proud almost like sometimes incredibly self-critical sometimes very defensively and listening to her working through and what i'm sure was many hours of interviews is just it's it's god this is such a crushing movie and i'd like forgotten and then i was like half of it and i was like i really should have given ricardo a warning because i forgot that like this film is quite bleak but at the same time you cannot look away from it and not in like a car crash way in a, in a, in a very involved way you feel like drawn into these people's stories um and yeah like <laughs> you're talking about like truth and this is obviously a very um interesting time to talk about truth and you know how things are like perceived and how things are are, um are portrayed and everything and i think she says something really interesting not just about like you know the the complete dishonesty of documentary filmmaking and uh but also like the like the folly of trying to explain a life you know a life and many lives realistically but even one life in any medium like the the true folly of that that you'll never capture a person you know even through like dunbar's plays herself it's only ever getting an aspect of who she actually really was um but yeah, I mean, like, obviously, the performances, the visual style, the voices, the sound design is really interesting. The the mix of what's in the original interviews and what is created afterwards is fascinating. Um, yeah, I think that, like, I mean, even if you hated it, I felt, you know, you can't, ha- I feel like you can't help admire her and what she's tried to do here. Because even though I don't think this film is perfect, I don't think... It reminded me of Tower as well and how, like, I don't think Tower quite carried its concept the whole way. And you know I had a problem at the end of that. And I feel like this, its ending is kind of unsatisfactory in a way because it doesn't quite, you're not entirely sure where she's trying to go with it. 
Um, but uh, yeah, like I just, it's just this is an experience of a film. So I thought that even if you hated it, we'd have something to talk about. So uh, without further ado, character, what do you think of the Arbor? Well, like uh, it's a really strange film to talk about. I think um, like I don't think that even subsequent watches would fix what I have in my head. Perhaps only talking about it would be. Because yeah. it's a, it is in itself a most uh, postmodern piece of work that it is both calling attention to its structure and its idea of what it is as a piece. Yeah. As much as it is focused on the story of Andrea Dunbar and her daughters and sons and whatnot and the family and whatever happened, like the tragedy that they they endure through life, and I don't know if the choice to lip sync the archive absolutely ruins the movie or makes it for me i'm somewhere in between but not able to to decide i think it's partly but that's the thing is that it is the point of the film yeah so it stops like it is in a very intrinsic way to what uh cleo bernard is doing that it's interesting in itself in it's in itself a true piece of art rather than filmmaking yeah and, uh, i wasn't i hadn't heard about her before that like i heard about selfish giant but i didn't equate her like selfish giant to this movie mm. so uh when i read that she's like a visual artist more than mm, a filmmaker yeah, before she ever made features she was a the uh, uh, two and two added up together let's say that this is like a piece of art to kind of unravel rather than to enjoy or look as a narrative so when i started when i got my head around that because i actually paused it for a minute to like see who the fuck the director was (laughs) that started making sense in my head more than anything else because for example like um Another documentary that like deals with something completely like a, a saga, family saga that has a very similar, like for the lack of a better word, plot point. Mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes there because obviously it happened in real life was Dear Zachary or yeah. Letters from Your Father. I was actually thinking about that yesterday as well. Yeah. The uh, spoiler alert for both films, uh, a baby dies in the movie and it's really off handedly dealt with. Oh, good golly it is and this movie doesn't have the emotional punch that dear zachary does and partly i think it's more signposted than this though yeah it's not only that it's more signposted i think that um the idea like the way that dear zachary operates is that it's in a as a film of an emotional there's an emotional spine through Mm -hmm. um through yeah. Dear Zachary the letters, that basically. builds up to that moment but also like the fact that the director knew the guy that died that he's mm. talking about and also like I started crying about oh. 10 minutes in on Dear God, Zachary that film is I will yeah. never watch that I watched it by myself and I came out and I didn't even sit in the sitting room and I was like I don't, I don't think I actually cried though because you know me I never I, cry but like pff, I, I was just I remember watching it Dead. in the kitchen by myself and my mom walked in and started talking to me right when the baby <laughs> dies and they went, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then she got like really pissed off and then I, I actually had to show her the movie yeah, yeah, so she would yeah. understand my reaction that it was nothing to do with her. Then after the movie, my mom, like she, she would cry watching like American Next Top Models, <laughs> like the audition phase, not even the fucking... <laughs> when you're invested yeah, in yeah. them. Like, so, like, you uh, don't even know their names yet, mom. Yeah. But her granny died. Oh mom. yeah, when they have the 
hotel the yeah. side with the presenter oh yeah and they play Coldplay yeah. so yeah like fucking fix you every <laughs> single time and then I get flashbacks to the end like the end of season one to the fucking newsroom and I'm like oh, <laughs> oh Sorkin that Sorkin that time one of the let him have any like input, input on the music ever because he's a dictator oh like. my god that all oh, but the time he got to the newsroom he fucking was he is all over that it is a disaster but, but i love it well, i remember like <laughs> uh, the interview that they did with west wing weekly the even with hallelujah that like, he thought that he found that song and it's like dude it is like <laughs> such a hit but coming back to this uh i think that the mm. most interesting parts themselves were the reconstruction of the place within the environment that she lived in yeah because that's when it truly became successful that idea of artifice through reality through artifice Mm. through reality it's when you kind of almost have the layers in front of you and they're actors it's like an onion and she's able to do it similar you know what i mean and like i think part of that is is how visually i I think this is handled because all i was thinking in the back of my head i was like i'm gonna be so upset because i waited so long to pick this after dreams of a life i waited like 70 episodes probably more i was like oh god I, I was watching it again that I was like, no, this is as cinematic as I remember it is. And like, well, like I don't have a problem in particular with the documentaries that are not cinematic. Yeah. Uh, it's more that it's like a, my problem with Dreams of Our Life right, no, were like were, very were other things, more but... structural kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but with this in particular, also coming back to like, even the way that, um, because it truly shows the strength of uh, Andrea's writing that, when they're sitting in the bus, in the bus, and it's just a, oh, so you start hearing the bus. You can so imagine short. the 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 bus journey, or like the scene about how. Also, the I like the film that it doesn't pass judgment per se, but does uh, it does make a point to highlight that all of her family were racist and terrible people, including yeah. herself. Like with yeah. the the lines of Lorraine, that I can't love you as much as my other two children because you're not oh, white god that or... scene the way they handle that and it's the door and she's in the hallway and she's sitting on the bed and it's talking well that like fucking hell that's devastating and uh, what you mentioned about her interview uh, style the, uh, I was thinking about even like when uh, Andrea's uh, brother is getting interviewed and he's very candidly openly being racist and going like not the he doesn't think about it anymore that way. Yeah. It's more that you can't say that anymore. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it's he like is so good. Yeah. And the choice of the just turning uh, and he's just like when he, he's first introduced, yeah. like he is probably one of the best, like not just lip sync, but the like, oh God, and where they place him. And my, my little so uh, fucking equating people looking like other people. Oh, interesting. Uh, the Andrew's dad's, the guy playing her him in the reenactions is a dead ringer for Bill Nye. Um, <laughs> yeah, with the can. <laughs> and, but the actual one is like the actual dad is oh, a God. really old Robert Carla. Yeah, he kind of looks like, like somebody else as well, though. No, um, Martha Marcy May Marlene. Oh yeah, John Hawks. Yeah, yeah he does look yeah. like John Hawks. Yeah, yeah. like a like if yeah, John Hawks yeah. drank cans yeah, every yeah, day or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, the interviews now. with him. But like the weird patronizing questions though. Where it's like, have you read it? Have you read it yet? Like, it's, oh, it's so he's kind of looking away from the camera and everything. Weird. But uh, um, 
but going like on the on the whole i did enjoy it like i'm not ever gonna be able to say i didn't enjoy it i mm. think it's more like a th- cerebral piece than an emotional piece and because of it i think that it is like i said a piece of art to be discussed rather than enjoyed yeah and uh and that is successful because i was dying to talk about it yeah i was um, thinking about it all day and i was just like god like and it, it disappoints me the fucking there's no wikipedia entrance because then I, like i went into though, to, because to like have, uh, i actually looked up then because i because like, like trying to get a hold of this was a fucking nightmare i had to sign up for the bfi to get it to work <laughs> like it was a disaster it's very hard to find it's not on itunes etc but um so i i was like looking it up then because i was like was this a lot rarer than i thought it was but like no like it's in, it's it, there's reviews of it and kind of all the major yeah like mark Mose and... fucking sell the shit out of it and oh, like, Guardian to one. But he does one. he does really like her though yeah. um like he's big fan like of andrea arnold <laughs> They might both be are they both Scottish as well? Well like uh, sorry, go on. Just on uh one final point oh, before we just open for discussion, whatever, is that um I think that the biggest issue in itself as a film yeah. it's not even the end, like you said, is that I think that Lorraine is either miscast or misrepresented. I don't know which one. Because I haven't seen the actress in anything else. Because everybody else, including um including her younger sister and the guy playing her younger brother. Mm. You can feel the same way as when you see like the actress playing Andrea, like in the recreation of the play, God, the, whatever yeah. they, they can, f- they feel like they're from that place. Yeah. And it's not because she's from like clear, like subcontinent descent, like either yeah. from Pakistan or India or, uh, but and it's not that her voice doesn't match the the face because it's like modern britain like yeah. you watch fucking sky news or whatever every day you you see descendants of people that were like brought up like the the windrush generation even from the mm. caribbean or whatnot that are uh, so embedded into the culture that their accents are yeah, well, the same like as the second and yeah. third generation at this point. Like, so it's not that the accent. I just want to be clear that it's mm. not that. Oh, she looks Pakistani and she has a British accent. That's why I think more because, especially because she goes into the the spiral that she goes through, is that that's why I think that maybe it's like pr- representation itself that mm. it didn't feel that she had gone through all of that well everybody else that is like i've had drinking issues or whatever mm. like even the brother like you mentioned God, he that he so good. that he looks like somebody that has lived that life that the movie depicts not in a judgmental way like you yeah. say but if you spend every day as they mentioned that they did in the pub since they were 14 doing crack cocaine and the heroin and everything mm. else it does take a toll on you and like the younger sister, I can't remember her name now. Uh, she's so good. She's really, really good. And also is that you can tell that she never went that way. That's why she's judgmental of Lorraine. But you yeah. can tell that she do- did ha- like the she way that it's portrayed. Uh, obviously had a like, hard uh, life. drinking yeah. and whatnot. And also like having to deal with the, the uh, repercussions of her mother's behavior when mm-hmm. they were growing up. So... It, like it kind of became because Lorraine after Andrea passes away within the narrative of the movie Lorraine becomes the linchpin of the whole uh, uh, endeavor and because I never really bought the person lip syncing even though they're saying the most like Mm. uh, heart wrenching moments 
I kind of, but at the same time, is it, it, but this is going back to the idea that I don't know w- at what point is like the choice of yeah. Cleo because it could be also that she's presenting this as if you can meet anybody down yeah. the street and they have that I this past. Think, it's hard to know though because everything in this is so deliberate. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah. making very clear points with everything. So it's a very, it's very, it's, yeah, I didn't, I kind of get what you mean and I wonder like the fact that she puts her and like she has this beautiful face. Yeah. And like I believe her eyes, but I kind of understand what you mean as well. And I wonder if that's why she wants, you know, whenever it's you suddenly become aware that she's actually in a prison and everything, uh, which is so gut-wrenching. But the fact that she puts her in such a harsh environment. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them are kind of like making tea or in their houses or whatever. And it's like, obviously, this is her character. And like, she, you know, she was in prison, etc. But I don't know. Did she want that juxtaposition? Yeah. Not just between what she's saying, but where she is. And she's moving around and she's picking up the, the laundry and everything. And like, oh, the use of space in this is so interesting. Is that like, like you said there, that you mentioned her eyes, that somebody that has gone through this, and I live in a very deprived area of mm. Dublin, and I've been there for 15 years, and I love living there. Like, a, there's a good sense of community, whatever, but like any area such as uh, where we are right estate, now, <laughs> that um, it has its drawbacks, and also uh, it does terrible things to people living in that poverty. That yeah. there is no escape, etc. But I've seen people even younger than Lorraine is portrayed, and the eyes is the first thing that you notice that they mm. have wrinkles before their time, kind of mm. that like it's people already in their early twenties, twenty two or whatever, and they have wrinkles in their eyes and around their face or but whatever. They still have like pimples. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's kind <laughs> of. It, but I think that like it would have had to be makeup because obviously you don't go just oh yeah let me find exactly mm. this person the uh, in a way because the performance is so great like I wouldn't recast her but that's why I was saying about like yeah. if I don't know if it is representation or performance itself that maybe because she's really um, even in her eyes they're really alive. But the voice sometimes, because of what it's saying and the tone of the voice, I don't know if the eyes were alive when they were being said. And it was the one sometimes time that I think there's that there's a is, mismatch yeah, between the tone of the voice and the eyes. And the and that's why yeah. all the other actors were able to do, like, which is amazing because it's like, well, what's called the... Um, the brain uh, function that you have that if you look at something that looks kind of human uh you go like oh that is really weird so that's why like when oh you, like uncanny valley uncanny valley yeah. yeah that i thought that it was going to be a lot more uncanny valley in this because it's uh actors not reciting what interviewers said yeah like in tower yeah it's more the the actual dialogue of the person over their another person's face let's say yeah and because even uh human being like i've been reading studies though of this very interesting that we gain more meaning through eyesight than voice that's why there's so much uh misunderstanding over the phone that might not be in Mm. person because if you can see somebody's eyes even if you go like you make a joke and go like oh he's a fucking wanker yeah and you go like and you have open eye kind of like giggly but your 
being completely serious about it like yeah. in vocally performing people can like buy like oversimplifying it uh, yeah, well here, but... this is why emails are bad yeah and why i end up putting so many exclamation marks and emails just so that i don't that people understand that I'm like being cheerful. Like I, I find it, I do far too many, and I'm like, yeah. just because otherwise it feels so dry or something. Well, like it's when you say like, thanks, yeah. then you don't know. Like it sounds yeah. kind of sarcastic but or something. Yeah, but you, thanks, but you don't. Wanna, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like, but I never read people's emails well, like people that. Are like many thanks. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't even know how we got onto that. But anyway, what were you saying? About Uncanny Valley and yeah. uh, the, the ice. Yeah, that I thought that there would be more in this film. But yeah, because the performances are so good, uh, they actually are able to emote through their eyes the same way. Like, as a true acting performance. Yeah. But it's so difficult. Like, just getting an actor to do... Like, anybody that has done uh, ADR with it, oh an actor... ...would know that the amount of work they have to do to match the voice to their a face... Their own voice... voice to their own face yeah but at least that way is the reverse because you're you're already recorded the face which yeah. is the hardest part to sell so if if you get the lip sync kind of right yeah you, you can get away with it so easily yeah. but doing the opposite i was like yeah i, I wouldn't have liked I, to be I anywhere i don't know like where do you find those people it's such a specific skill like and and they're oh, not even in the studio or whatever they're like just in the street with the life around or whatever I, I I honestly I honestly don't know like I, I would I because uh, she obviously in soundtracking she doesn't really talk much about yeah. that and like the thing is is that uh, the first time I ever saw this was in 2010 with our lecture that you didn't go to and she spoke sorry I had to work with fucking making pizzas yeah okay okay yes yes you worked really hard we didn't um but uh That's so we the watched the <laughs> we watched the film and then she there was a talk with her yeah and I remember nothing of it and cause, I was gonna ask you that, no, like, I because know. I remembered that. No, like, yeah. I remember literally nothing of it. I remember what screen we were in, and I vaguely remembered the movie. It was in the IFI, wasn't but, it? Yeah, it was in the IFI in not the big one, screen two, not the tiny one, screen two. Then the, yeah, the one that is two. kind of yeah, like, yeah, uh, like oval, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of um, semicircular, kind of. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, I don't remember anything about it. And like Richard asked her questions and everything, and I, I have no. Oh, I don't doubt for a <laughs> second that Richard Fitzsimmons asked my question or not. Why makes you say that, Frock? He did. He got. Yeah, it was just. Uh, it was just questions about frocks. Um, <laughs> Frock you. So many, so many, so many in jokes there. Um, yeah, but I, I, I honestly don't. And like you know, there are obviously there's there's obvious there's probably interviews with her about this out there, especially now because she's become a bigger filmmaker or whatever. But like, I yeah. would love to know how they made this. Like it is. Just the sheer, the sheer endeavor of it. Like, like even if you don't know anything about filmmaking, you can't watch this and not be impressed by it. And it, like, and for all the Brit hate out there and everything, <laughs> it's like it's amazing how like Ireland copies so much of England, including their mistakes of creating a state, oh, yes. creating like endless the, estates. When they're showing the 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 Bradford uh, flats, like it just gave me flashbacks of Ballymun. Yep. And it's, they knew that it didn't work already. And also watching this. We're still developing our country around patterns of buildings that don't work, Ricardo. And then also watching this. (laughs) We're not good at this. Gives me like a kind of even more hatred to people that think that fucking 
Tories give a shit about poor people because this is like that's that is in a nutshell this movie is Thatcher's England yeah and early 80s up until the present day and if you see the like for all his fucking uh warmongering criminality and all that shit Tony Blair was a leftist even though he was central left he yeah. did you see He's even like a co- like, eight, labor, like 10 years of new labor yeah. how much like to think that this it's so far removed from the reality of england nowadays like the deprived like it looks like a different country yeah you know like uh, even when you watch pride and stuff like that uh, it not saying that there's not any deprived area like but at the same time is that well that's the show... that's the, the thing about england now like even if you took brexit out of it you think of like however many years of they've been in austerity at this point like post-recession you know it's taken a nosedive oh yeah it's a, because it's, well uh, i mean like that's the thing is that like you can always this trust film, the tories this film kind of falls over. short of getting the full arc of it i think which in a way is almost disappointing because like yeah. you look at even the last like what, wait, what eight years well like uh, yeah it'd be amazing if uh, th- th- this movie had been made now uh, well, in a way like even the the, the mm, but also, I I, I, I rather no that, no no though. no I don't want yeah. that like now think about it. Uh, it's an extra I, I layer retract. it doesn't need. And also because then so much focus would be like oh these are Brexit voters yeah. these are Brexit tears. That's it. And that, like I didn't really think of that. I thought because it's more like so much of it is about the past influencing. It's the thinking of the eighties and the Thatcherism and like that that is what this is steeped in. I think more than because it doesn't really come up to present day properly either. It's kind of like the early two thousands or whatever. And then like when you know it's it's much more about the time in between than it is you know and i i think that there is a strength to it because it is as much about the legacy of like you know effectively andrea's parents yeah and even andrea's parents grandparents the whole way up you know and like it's just the guy that plays the pakistani boyfriend he's one of the, the he's the only actor i've seen in other things uh, yeah what else is he in i think he was in the like the fucking what was the name of the director he did our course uh, east by east oh east, east of eden or um oh, that's, uh, east uh, of eden. yeah we're fucking no um uh, i know what you mean though yeah yeah but i can't remember it's something to do with east i think he's in that i think he's in other like films that he comes up i thought he was really good i, mm. I was kind of disappointed like obviously this happened in real life but i was really disappointed with your mom because he has like such a like for somebody so ed- uneducated such a true uh like a truism but like a reality that people around him complain about being poor and shit and then yeah. it's like they don't know what true poverty is yeah because you can't like if you're in pakistan or india there you can't no go on the scratcher you can't yeah. go on uh whatever like not to judge people like are you one that the everybody on unemployment should be getting a lot more money than it is now uh but i won't get into that because it'd no, be a long I mean, conversation yeah <laughs> but my point is that it's that misunderstanding that even it's a weird thing that it's a societal issue rather than a personal issue mm. and i think that this movie without actually uh, dressing it head on really hits the nail on the head that is a pre- preconception of yourself being poor not being able to be better that uh stops you moving forward and mm. it's not how much money they get a week or how much something happens or whatever it's because they believe that they deserve to be poor. 
But it's the same. It's the same idea of, of the drug addiction as well, yeah. and how like even from her sister and the idea that like you know, the, the her judgment of her of her sister that you completely understand because this woman like literally killed her child like through negligence or whatever happened. You know what I mean? Like she she ruined everything in her life the whole way up from when she was a young teenager, pretty much since from probably before her mother died but at the same time like it's that same kind of judgment that even whenever you're like from the same background that you know that of oh, like just you just weren't you know you just couldn't get yourself and out also of it it's like the, not the understanding the when of, you just reach uh, a ledge and you look down on yeah, people that, that are yeah, down that exactly, it's just, that it's 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 that like the misunderstanding of like addiction as well yeah. and like that like I don't think it's 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 completely like it. That's like, she, she's a real person, so she's too well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's too much. There's too many things going on there for it it's to also just their be that. internal relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, and, and how they interacted with their mother as well. That like she was obviously like more of a favorite than the rain was, and that was very clear from the two of them. That you know, so it's so it's too it's a lot of things, but it's just it's interesting at how like that is dealt with as well, and like the the bias of people. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Like, the bias of it. Yeah, it also, like, it brought up something that I've always, like, kind of struggled in my head for, like, a quote-unquote liberal. <laughs> it's, like, drug addiction. Yeah. Because it's kind of the this narrow road. That, that's why I think that it's so hard to uh, make a policy that actually works to trying to deal with addiction once the problem already exists healthcare. in an area. But it, not only in the healthcare is that... In the sense of like criminal justice and stuff like that. Mm, well, that's what America is well. dealing with now with the opioid crisis, which is fascinating. I mean, obviously horrifying, yeah. but and a much bigger problem than most countries are dealing with. But it's with. like the balance of dealing with purely as a disease, uh, like a mental disease rather than like a physical one. That sometimes mm. when you say that people go like, oh, it's like a broken arm. It's like it's not. No. It's, it's like counseling and stuff like that. And it's yeah. given support. And the problem with like metrodone clinics and whatever is that you get a metrodone, Me- but there's methadone? nothing in between metrodone uh, clinics is that you get the metrodone. metadone once a week, yeah, but you don't have any counseling in between, yeah, so you're just there, like she says, I could make five days, but I couldn't make the seven, yeah, and obviously, like if we're more counseling or whatever that probably would be if not like would never be easy but it'd be easier or yeah. more realistic that it would happen but also it comes to like the the issues of personal responsibility that even though it is a disease in your in your um um obviously influenced by it and it's not who you are truly is the drug doing things you know yeah but it's the same as like drink driving if you're an alcoholic yeah it's like no, an well, alcoholic. Alcoholic is a is a is a disease as well. Yeah. But if they run over somebody, then it's the conversation becomes is how should that punishment happen? Because for until we're able to deal with all these issues and eradicate them, I is think, that there's yeah. always the conversation. And I'm not saying that they mm. should be like the book thrown thrown at them or whatever. But I always found it hard to square that circle. Of, of which level you deal with. I mean, yeah. Like, because there's addicts are of, victims as well. There's a lack of nuance, particularly within the law. Yeah. And like, particularly in somewhere like America as well. And I think that... But I think as well, to be fair, just to interject really quickly, yeah. is that I think that law shouldn't be nuanced. Yeah. Because uh, then uh, 
Then you have shit like the, I think Texas and fucking New Jersey have very similar drug laws. Mm. And because the way that the judges in Texas represent the law, the same way as like the Constitution. Yeah. 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 The, you have like originalists or whatever the fuck. And then people that actually, yeah, yeah, it was written in 17, whatever. It's definitely still relevant. Let's get the good bits and do like, what would the founders do now in their spirit? Like, not not following the letter of the law, following the spirit of the law, let's say. Yeah. But I think that that's when you get into an awful lot of issues because then yeah. it's like, and also it becomes like judge by judge cases or whatever. Constitutional so. democracy, yeah. Um, yeah, like, I know what you mean, but I think that, uh, so it, it comes down to things like possession versus selling. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, but that that is a black and white case. Like if you have possession that over like a certain milligram, whatever, that's obviously not for personal use. Yeah. So you get done for dealing. If you have below that, it's possession. Whatever the crime, the yeah. the penalty is, would, it's that, side yeah. by side. Yeah. But it's more the way that I see it. I don't know if I make myself as clear of what I I mean. Yeah, I'm just I I because I understand you mean that like you know the, the law shouldn't have nuance and I I think that's true because like interpret hit, interpreting the law then you get into a very dangerous area. But even though but, the way of society looking at people that yeah. it should be kind of that everybody's on the same boat in that sense because that will help. Uh, addicts I'd say mm. or like refuse because then if everybody's dealing with knows how to deal with the situation or whatever that like uh, it, similarly to something that I read about grieving mm. of uh, uh, it's called circular grieving the circles when you don't know how to deal with somebody that is grieving mm. and then you go in and it's like whoever is the the closest person to the person that passed away, let's say, is in the inter circle. So let's say the the wife, the the daughter, Child, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So the immediate family be center circle. Okay. So at that moment, everybody like in that circle can't be screaming about everybody or whatever. Everything is shit. Life will never be the same. Mm. Whatever. And then outside it, there's another circle, and that circle is like the cousins or whatever mm. okay and then outside that there's another circle okay and the second circle you're allowed you it's say you uh you you what you call it you spoil inwards complain outwards yeah so you don't complain towards the people in the circle within you yeah, you can complain to the people enough. outside yeah. and it's the same with everything and i think that it's a similar system with like not in the sense of being like that strict but with drug dealing that it mm. is like that person being uh, affected and then you go around that by the time that you get to like number seven circle you're not allowed to judge anybody yeah because you you're so far from the center that it's just like let them be kind of thing yeah as in not let them be uh, yeah, but I, I think, you know the, like just i think that is kind of i think it is interesting it, it's the kind of thing that needs such a fundamental societal sort of restructuring of how we think about and it's films you know, like this that starts well yeah well, absolutely i think it's so interesting i think it's like i think what liberals get so squeamish about and obviously overcorrect because they're liberals is like um like the, the idea of like you know 90s clintonism and three strikes and you know like that whole idea of like demonizing like basically kids for having small 
all amounts of cannabis and like yeah, yeah, an like entire generation of like African-American kids going to prison for like basically possession. Well, like you know, that, which is, that is obviously that's, all, that's like, a whole other thing, yeah, you know, like but that's a, that's when people think of like punishing drug addicts. I think like obviously possession should be dealt with, but not criminalized whatsoever. But let's say somebody is a drug addict and under the influence, they stab somebody or whatever. Mm. It's like, there's no society that would look away. Like Norway does fairly decent, but they do even like with murders and whatever that you go and work in like a supermarket or something the weekend Mm. and you go back to prison. Well, they have much more like rehabilitation for like certain types of crimes as well, like non-violent crimes, non-violent criminals and how you get those people to a point where they're actually able to join society, not just where you kick them out of prison and then go right by. Don't don't commit any more crimes. It's way cheaper not having to pay for somebody that is uh, Which is why they make you work in America because so that they can make money off of you. But um, yeah. Because because it's incorporated as well. Well, yeah, well, that's enough about that. Um, And uh, just the final uh, point on that before we move to, if I may. Yeah. Is that uh, like this movie did remind me a lot about some, not a lot, but somewhat about my childhood because my dad was an alcoholic. Mm. Well, still is. But uh, like Cleo says, you never stop being one. You just stop drinking. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's ever stopped drinking, which would be a different thing. But is the I kept asking myself not only about like Lorraine herself, but about Andrea. That is like. Is that still in my head is that I don't know what I would do if my father reached out, let's say, I'd probably like ignore him. But if he actually, like if it was a text or a call or whatever, I hang up because I have the option to escape. Mm. But if he showed up on the door, like I don't know whatsoever what the reaction would be, like because he did terrible things. But I knew that as well, he was an addict. Mm. And it's kind of like... But it's personal. It's but it's also completely other... personal. And also mm. like he fucked over his children, his wife, put my mom through hell for 19 years, etc., etc. And it's like, where does like my liberalism, liberalism take me there? Like, mm. would I go and punch him in the head? Would I have a conversation and go, okay, we chat, chat in person to person. I don't forgive you, but I know what you went through. Mm. And I, I'd like to think that I do that. Because I think at the same time is the is a very much of a cop on to ask for forgiveness once the like so later on, mm, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. not earning it either. It's mm. not like the whatever, but mm. it, it was just like something no, as a, well that was going through me while watching it's this a movie. Fair, it's was, a fair question to ask yourself, though, definitely, and and like particularly like when you think of like the relation to the law and why we have things like conflict of interest and everything. Yeah. And, so on that note, what was your favorite thing? <laughs> <laughs> oh god um I, I, like her ambition you know to like sit down and think who's ambition huh who's ambition <laughs> well, there's a lot of ladies well, here well yeah sorry well like cleo uh okay the director yeah. um, sorry like i heard i mean just to think to sit down and think that you can make to go right okay yes this is my idea and then to to make this you know it, it's just it's not enough people kind of go down the road of, of a project like this and stick with it and you know it's it's uh, yeah I just I find the whole thing like such a such an experience like really I watched it yesterday it really overwhelmed me I was like oh my god and I was gonna go to bed and I was like I can't go to bed and I've been watching Stranger Things so I was like that'll bring me back to reality so I put on like the nicest episode of Stranger Things and was like okay I feel a bit better now. well when they stuck to Ginger oh god Shh. Don't ruin everything. Um, 
but they're nerds so it's okay it's like in the big bang theory whatever they're total and utter assholes um harmless nerds uh anyways um yeah like I, it's because i mean like i think that the performances are amazing but it's 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 without her i uh, being able to sort of like follow through with this whole thing um but uh yeah what was your favorite thing uh, my favorite thing i think was andrea's uh writing I think that even like it made me really interested in trying to seek out her plays and mm. the, the the film that they made the was a Peggy oh, and Sue Bob and Bob and, yeah or whatever the name mm. something Sue Ellen and Bob or <laughs> you're never gonna get there remember, yeah <laughs> Martha Marcy Bamer yeah <laughs> um, but I I think that watching it like even the the play in the in the gar- yeah, in the that, square i saw it described as alfresco play and i was like ha <laughs> yeah like when you hear that you imagine like a fucking greek coliseum <laughs> yeah or something. i know uh, but like um what it made me think is what mike lee tries to do mm. that social realism that is just like ki- literal kitchen sink drama but it feels a lot truer because it comes from truth let's say that not to demean Mike Leakey's work because I quite enjoy his films. Uh, I watched one with in a film club recently with um, Timothy Spall. I can't remember the name of it now, uh, which was really really good. It was uh, like so like the, one of the actresses like uh, won best supporting actress in the Oscar. It was like nineteen ninety eight or something. I don't know what that does. And, uh, God, I love Timothy Spall though. Uh, I'll send you the the, the yeah. The I film. see. It's... I've only seen like a few of his movies. He has like a major back catalog. Mike like, Lee or Timothy Spall? Yeah, you know, well, both. But like, he, like Mike Lee, he's such a pillar of British cinema as well. Like, that I feel kind of ashamed that I haven't seen more of his films. But um, I like I won't do it for a pick. So, but mm. I'd recommend anybody to watch another year, especially people that like cinema because mm. it's like four short films within one telling like one story it's quite interesting and it's mm. like each one is a season in the year yeah uh, that they're going and each one has a very s- different style but because mike lee does everything through improvisation it's interesting where the actors go with things yeah. with like even what winter feels like what summer feels like etc um yeah what's your least favorite thing um jesus i don't know um So you can't say like, oh, it's it's so harrowing and, you know, that you're so wrapped up in the whole thing and you're thinking of, it makes you think so much. Like, you're, it's, it's like, it kind of reminds me of like the first time you watch The Wire. Yeah. And you're kind of grappling with like everything that's going on, the accents, like, you know, the language, everything. And like, you can't look away because you're going to miss something. And it's yeah. a bit like that where, and you end up like so emotionally involved in everything and... Uh, but that's not a bad thing so i suppose maybe that like the sister wasn't like it was a little distracting yeah. that I the older sister yeah the, I like su- andrea's sister the yeah the I, one that I, became like lorraine's foster parent I or suppose. something like uh like complaining that this film is too harrowing it's like saying that yeah. there will be blood there's too much daniel day lewis <laughs> <laughs> <Milkshake>. um <laughs> what was your least favorite thing I don't know, like, it's a very hard one to go because there's things that I didn't particularly like of the movie, but I think it's the point of the movie. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's like, it, it's not even like it would have done differently or whatever. I think it's uh, 
very much a puzzle or a piece of its own they either like it or not it's very hard to like once you take one little thing out it becomes no longer what it is mm. it's not like some films that we discussed that i go i would change this plot element and it'll be the same film but like make it more streamlined or whatever mm. and also i might add that every time that i do that is more because i have the benefit of hindsight and uh, also yeah. be involved in the production or whatever that it kind of just makes it easier to like look from like see the woods from the trees kind mm. of thing but with this is kind of like oh yeah if you do jiggle even if you take one scene and rearrange it it, it just has a completely different meaning mm. um i suppose maybe i don't know like it's like even everybody's given their due nobody overstays their welcome that even the characters that are kind of not the characters the people that, that you don't follow that much that you actually got interviews with for example the the Lorraine's father mm. that once he disappeared the picture the interview stopped so when he's standing out the door like when he takes mm. Lorraine out for yeah. one day <clears throat> and comes back and they're told not him, to go on yeah. you don't see him anymore and it's never explained like he never has the room then to explain why he never went back mm. the same way with Jimmy that he's like not judged or whatever just showing like as a hard working man whatever and then it goes like oh i never thought he was a bad person mm. until like i grew older and i quite enjoyed that but at the same time he's like oh i wish to have take getting that take but then it's something else it's no longer because yeah. it's portraying like lorraine's more than anything it's lorraine's point of view it's trying to explain lorraine more than andrea it's like yeah. lorraine's andrea's effects in lorraine and also like this thing that uh in a way the, the the hardest bit like uh, I know that this by no means uh, I am not covering what I disliked at the movie because it's very too hard <laughs> uh, but the the moment that it killed me was that not that the baby died mm. is that she says this was the first one that I wanted to keep mm. then you realize how many pregnancies she had and she keeps telling you but like because you don't see them or you don't mm. hear about what happened to them or whatever that you just kind of go like oh, okay another one and another one and then that moment is when like the emotional stress of all those pre previous pregnancies Ugh. come to to the fore so yeah that's uh that's me rambling <laughs> answer <laughs> i'm glad that it like impacted you and that you you had the same sort of like inability to get out of your head as well like, i mean thinking about this all day like it's just oh um yeah like it's just it's just yeah it's, it's it is like an art piece and that that that's that's the perfect and the worst way to describe it i think yeah. in a way as well because it makes it sound oh, so... it's not like modern like it is postmodern, but like not uh yeah, that's pretentiously such a, dirty, so. such a dirty word no pretentious is not the word for this at all it's um, very open-hearted about the people mm. that ideas with like not shying away from the flaws of everybody involved yeah but also giving them their the chance to show their humanity and that they're like not only their flaws are not only brought by themselves but more like Lorraine everybody has been affected by their background and their mm. like experiences through life the, like uh, there's so many scars a body can take let's say before it mm. becomes mangled on that note <laughs> that was The Arbor um, seek it out even though it'll be hard because it's really really great um, and uh, yeah so uh... Where can they find us, Rick? You can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, at The Rec Game, on Twitter, The Recommendation Game, at gmail.com. And you can find us on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. And or whatever. Also, 
you can find us on Dublin Digital Radio every Monday 11 to 12 and that's about it very good next week's film is Ricardo's pick it is indeed Ricardo what are you picking uh, Being There very good from 1970 something I think cool alright I look forward to that until then see you next week Oh, I was Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> I was Orla McNeilis. Thanks for listening. See you next week.